Welcome to the Justin Broker Podcast. I am Mr. Producer, Graydon Square. I am here with the man himself, Justin Fromstein. Jay. What's up, brother? What's up, brother? Right before Christmas. Hey, I was going to do a long intro, but then I realized it's the holidays. People don't want to hear all that. No. Just get just, into the show. Just Merry Christmas. Merry Happy Christmas, holidays. Absolutely. And if you got Happy a problem, Hanukkah. And if you got a problem with somebody saying Merry Christmas, yeah. We're the wrong, we're the wrong pro- podcast. Yeah, we're, we're probably the wrong podcast for you. So I want to get into a few things, but first I want to congratulate you on your recent event. You recently got married. I did. I did. How's married life treating you? You know, it's funny because I got asked that probably about a hundred times this month and my response is the same every time. It's, uh, it's great, but I will tell you that, and I think a lot of guys can agree, women want to get married. You know, typically, you know, they want to get married and have family and kids. And so being married now, like I, <laughs> I've told Giselle, it's funny. I'm like, you know what I've told her? I'm like, now I don't have to hear you complain. You know what I mean? Like about, are we going to get married? What are we going to do? Like, I feel like now all that pressure's off and now we can just live our lives. And I, I really, honestly, really love that because now I don't have to stress out about, oh, she's worried about this or do I want to marry him? Because, you know, a lot of women, they get worried. Like, is this going to marry me? Yeah. You know, they get all those things and he's going to leave me. Like, is he going to be with me? And now I'm like, hey, I put a ring on it. I don't need to be... Uh, Asked a million questions. I don't know if I'll ever get married. I'd like to. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'd like to. I didn't. There was a time where in my life where I didn't want that and I thought I didn't want that. Yeah. But as I get older, you know, I, I mature and, and I realize that it was probably the younger parts of me that were talking about not wanting to get married or not wanting to, to, to bond with somebody. But I also think that there is such a stigma and, and maybe undeserved behind marriage that a lot of people perceive that make it. I don't know, undesirable. They think yeah. it's it's got a lot of consequences, a lot of baggage. And so what do you say to those people who are considering to take that risk? I think it comes down to the person, right? Like I don't think everybody is marriage material, right? I've met a lot of people that I feel like would be better alone. That's a great point. Um, or just in a relationship, they don't want anything serious. I think, I think marriage is a commitment, but I think it's more of an emotional, faith-filled bond. And you have to realize that like now you have a person that could ruin your life or make your life amazing, right? It, it literally, it's, it's either going to be amazing or it's going to be miserable. That's pretty much, mar- no, nobody lives in a marriage and they're like, hey, it's okay. Like it's either you love it or you don't. And I've found, I mean, I'm new, so I don't have a lot of experience. I've been you know, with her for four years, so I'm not like an expert. I'm not going to say I'm an expert financial. I mean, I'm an expert in financial, but I'm not an expert in like relationships. Right. But I have a lot of friends in relationships. And what I've realized, it's all about balance, you know, like, it's give and take. What do I want to? What do I want to battle with my with my wife, and what do I not? Like, what are the things that are like non negotiables for me and and for her? And what are what are big thing for us is no cheating. You know, that's just a, a huge no um, for us too. It's uh, you know financial decisions. If it's like go buy groceries, I don't care. If it's um, hey, I want to go spend thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, we're gonna talk about it. But if it's just little stuff, we don't really. I mean, I'm blessed enough to not really worry about how much she's spending on groceries, what the gas is. Um, it's nice to not worry about little things. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, I think, what do you, what do you, what do you say to the people? I didn't mean to interrupt you, but sure. What do you say to the people who are afraid of that component of marriage, which is the financial decision-making and now you have decisions you have to run by somebody because maybe some of those people aren't used to running things by someone else, or maybe they've been in that relationship where it's not really been solidified and now it's been solidified. I mean, I think you get through that stuff before you marry. You know, mm-hmm. we had these conversations way before we got married about financial decisions. So for my business, she's not really involved. 
Um, when it comes to personal things, yeah, she's involved, you know? Um, she was okay with that. Like, I didn't, I didn't make her, I didn't, the good thing about what I did was I groomed, I say groomed my relationship up front. So once we were serious, you know, after about a year and a half of being together, I started telling her, here's what I am. This is who I am. And I kind of gave her the ability to leave if she didn't like what I was. I gave her the, like, I was her an out. Yeah. I was like, hey, you know what? I'm, I feel like in a relationship, if you're needy and desperate, it's just, no one wants that. Nobody wants a person that's needy, desperate. So if you're the kind of person that's like, I need somebody, I want somebody, those are people who get taken advantage of and screwed. Mm. People that are very balanced, and I say this because I've watched a lot of relationships, I have friends that are really good marriages, I've noticed that a good, it's balance. If you both understand your financial situation, like let's say you are a millionaire, right? You can become poor. You know, millionaires can become poor. Billionaires are a little harder. But millionaires can get poor again. So if you're with somebody who wants to spend all the money and blow their money and go crazy, and you're trying to conserve and build capital and cash flow, that might be a bad relationship. But if you're in a relationship where that person is still realistic, like, yeah, you have millions of dollars, but you're not done with your money, you're not blowing it on $500,000 cars, million-dollar cars, trying to buy a jet, trying to keep up with the, the you know, keep with the Joneses, yeah. you're going to be better off. But it's all about meeting that person at the same level. If you're – I don't mind if my girl goes and – like, I'll tell my lady, you can go spoil, you can go spend $1,000 and go buy some clothes. But I'm not telling her to go spend a hundred grand. You know what I mean? There's just this fine line, like what's realistic? Because a fifty dollars shirt looks just as good as a three hundred dollars shirt, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Right. I don't have to spend three hundred dollars. Um, same thing with jeans. I can buy a nice pair of jeans for eighty bucks. I don't have to spend a thousand. You know, shoes. Yeah, like red bottom heels are nice, right? She doesn't need them on a day to day. You know, it's just finding out a balance of what you guys want. I don't care how how much money I make. A thousand dollars for some shoes is outrageous to me. And I know there are some shoes out, some shoe heads out there who are like, "No, nah, girl, you don't understand the Jordan 14s. I get it, right? But that just seems. And then I'm the guy who will turn around and spend, you know, a thousand dollars on computer gear. So, um, but you said something I find that's interesting, which is a millionaire can go poor again. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about that, and and I think this will kind of lead us into our, our main conversation, but millionaires going poor as opposed to billionaires. Yeah, so a billionaire can leave his money in the bank and make 10% interest, let's say, on his money pretty easily. That's like $100 million a year, let's say. If he's got a billion, if he's got $3 billion, that's two $300 million. It's hard to go poor making that kind of money residually, right? But if you're worth $5 million and you make a few bad decisions or someone gets really hurt in your family or you have a huge medical surgery or something happens, you can go poor from that stuff. Mm. So it's also about setting yourself up financially. So a lot of people need a good attorney, a good, good healthcare plan, like other things in place to protect their money. But also it's important to realize that you also get taxed really high too. So if you go spend a lot of money, you're paying tax on the stuff you buy. You're also heavily taxed on cars, mm. right? Houses have property taxes. Houses have maintenance. So if you buy a house that's way over your plate, you could go broke. So I, there's a guy that just recently posted this on his podcast. He said, if I make $10 million, I'm not going to buy more than a million-dollar house. Okay? Well, I just, I just defied that. I didn't make $10 million, and I'm building a million-dollar house. The difference is I'm building it myself, and I'm not paying retail. So I'm building it myself for 1.2, and it's being worth 2.5. So to me, if I had to get out of it, I could sell in. I could sell it in a flash for two million, yeah. and make eight hundred grand. That to me, I'm not that worried about it. Now, if I was in it for two and a half, I agree with him. If I was buying a house and I made ten million dollars, I spent two and a half million. Maybe not as worried about that. I think twenty thirty percent is okay. But he has a ten percent rule. I'm not gonna. If I make a million, I'm not gonna buy a car for more than a hundred grand. 
right? Well, I have the same mentality. I haven't bought a car for more than hundred grand. The most expensive car I bought was like eighty five thousand dollars. Okay. Why, why was the why? Why do you think the ten percent margin is so important for what that guy said? I think he has a good rule of thumb. I don't necessarily think that ten percent. I think you could go to twenty with being pretty cool, but I think ten is it's it's his mentality of you can go broke, right? So if you have a mentality, I made ten million dollars, and you go buy a three million dollar house, and you go buy a two, three, four cars for a million and a half dollars. And then you put all the furniture, you know, you got to furnish that house too. So let's say that's going to cost you a house like that's going to cost you three, 400 grand to furnish, to mm. do it at the level that you'd want a million right. house. And then you got to do, and have you ever looked at blind costs? I mean, just blinds, like nice blinds can cost you 40, 50 grand in a house like that or more. Well, you were just telling me about window costs. I just bought windows and they were 37,000 for my new build and the uh, retail was 52. And I got lucky because I went and bought them with the sale. So I got a 25% off plus I got another 10% military discount. So, so, I got, you, could, so you could theoretically pay $70,000 for windows and mm-hmm. blinds. More than that. Like a hundred k So there's one window that you can buy. It's like $30,000 just for one window. If you get the, the big slider, you know that four panel big slider, those can cost twenty to 30000 And that's like without the remote control. That's you opening yourself. If you get the remote control, I think it's going to add another couple grand to it. Mm. Wow. That's pretty crazy. So, I mean, you're talking about the cost of, of windows. We haven't even gotten into any of the other major costs. Cabinets can, cabinets can cost you, depending on what you put in there, they can cost you 20 grand. They can cost you 100. Mm-hmm. Um, appliances. They could, if you go with Wolf or Sub-Zero, you could spend 20 grand on a fridge. So you could, so what I'm getting at is like, so let's say you build this house and I think his concept of 10% makes sense. At the same time, like it depends on what cost of money you get. Um, I got a really cheap loan at three and a half percent, which is in my opinion, cheap money. Um, I was just, that was my next question. It's like you're building it yourself, but you're not using your own money. I'm using Arizona Federal's bank's money. Um, They gave me a loan. It closed a couple weeks ago. I bought the lot and pretty much paid cash for the lot. And they're building, they're funding the build out. So my lot's paid off. And then they're basically building it. I'm building it with them, with their money. Okay. Yeah. So now this is your own personal home. I'm yeah. assuming that this is going to be different, uh, a different approach than the homes that you just closed on, the four homes that you just closed for your business. You want to talk about those? Yeah. So flipping, I bought a house recently for 38 grand in Kansas City, Missouri. That's comping 130. I found out it needed structural issues, so I'm gonna have to spend about 12 grand to redo all the structural stuff, and then the remodel's probably about 25. So I'm probably gonna be all in like 70, flip it for 130. Net profit, let's just say 50, 50 to 60K, depending on what I sell for. Uh, 130's conservative, there has been 160 comps, so it's possible you could sell for 160, but I'm going off the conservative number. Right. I just bought a house in uh, Hot Springs, Arkansas, and I paid 65K for it on, on an acre and a half. House is, pretty beat you know 2000 square foot house but it's just beat there's a barn and an rv garage that thing's from what i've been told my contractor said about 80 90 grand to just revitalize the whole place okay um the other one i bought was in mesa here in arizona i bought that for 235 and that one i'm gonna do it a bedroom and bathroom addition sell for about four i'll probably be into that for like low threes 310 315 what, make what's the lowest that are that that what, what's this uh what configuration on this one it's a two what two three one three two the one in mesa is a three one okay. and i'm gonna turn it has a one car garage so i was gonna turn the garage into a livable space oh nice yeah yeah, yeah. and i could build on the back if i wanted to 
so what's the cheapest cost right now in Mesa for a 3-1? Uh, and, and is it significantly different than a 3-2? You can get, yeah. So if you get a 2-1 or a 3-1, they're about 50 to 100K less than like a 3-2. And that's just buying them wholesale, like buying them for cash. Is that plumbing? The plum. What do you mean? Is is it, is it because the plumbing of a new bathroom would? No, be- no. Just it's it's just more people want a three two than yeah. a than a two one demand. or a three one. Yeah, the demands there for an extra bathroom. A bathroom can get you twenty thirty grand more for a house. Um, a bedroom can get you about fifteen k, mm-hmm. and that's just based on Arizona Mesa. So that's house number three, number four. That's the third one, and then I picked up one in Tucson for one hundred forty. That's worth two twenty. And um, I'm working right now on four other deals on the lake, um, picking up some lake. Oh, no, I did a fifth one. Sorry, I did a fifth one. I did one in Gilbert. I bought it from my buddy Tommy, which you know Tommy yep. and Cherie. Um, I just bought a four-bed, two-bath, three-car garage in Gilbert for 395 from him, worth about 575 to 600 Wow. What are you putting into it? Um, I don't know. I'm going to walk it today. I bought it without walking it. Okay. But I bought it off there, what they told me. So they told me, and I trust them, yeah. right? So I'll be clear with people. Like, if you know people, you have a good relationship with people, you can trust what they tell you. If you don't, you know, always be skeptical. Obviously, the home's built in, like, 1995, so I'm not that worried about structural stuff with it. Um, but they said pool, a little bit of roof, flooring, paint, carpet cabinets. I'd say forty grand, fifty grand, okay. and then make a hundred, hundred thirty. If I keep, if I decide to flip it, I might keep it as a rental, Airbnb it. I don't know, but if I flip it, probably hundred, hundred thirty on that one. So mid nineties, you're not worried. Early mid nineties, you're not worried about structure. At what at what year do you start worrying about that? If you're flipping, if it's a block home, not worried at all. If it's a frame and stick build, more worried. If it's wood build, more worried. Mm. Um, but block homes are usually built pretty solid. Yes, I've had block homes are easier to fix because you could jack up the foundation, and you can put it together and reseal it, and infuse concrete in the bottom, and then caulk it and do all that. Um, that's less. Uh, and are are you running across homes that are built prior to those years to where you you kind of have to worry about that at this point? Structural issues happen in all homes. You could have a 2005 home with a structural issue. Um, but it's more, what I'm getting at is it's way more common. Now, if there was a structural issue in a house, for instance, and I bought it and there was a structural issue, um, and you know, ultimately what I would, what I would tell people is that's our risk. You know, you're buying, if, if I'm going to make 80 and now I got to put 20 into the structural, I got to put 20 grand into it. I'm buying these at a deep enough discount where I'm not as worried about it. Now, if I was buying these things retail, then yeah, I would, I'd be worried. So, but I'm not buying retail. I'm buying them like, I mean, that one in Kansas city, Missouri, I bought it for 30% of the dollar, you know, 25, 30% of the dollar. So, I mean, actually like 25% of what it's worth. I'm not that worried about it, mm. you know, but if I was buying it for a hundred and it's worth 130 and it had structural issues, there's no money there. Right. So you just got to buy right. You know, you buy right, and then if you don't know any better, you call around and make calls. I mean, I've made a lot of calls, and I had three structural engineers go out to the property nice. um, between yesterday and today. They gave me bids already. What's cool about most of the guys, I actually shout out to Kansas City, Missouri, that people are awesome. Dude. Hey, I used to live there. Awesome I used people. to live in Gladstone. They're quick. Oh, you did? Yeah. They're quick. They're really nice people. Nice man. people. I was stationed down at, to earth. I was that. stationed at Fort Riley, Kansas, and, you know, it's like uh, about 100 miles south or whatever it okay. is. Okay. And um, essentially, yeah, I, I used to go up to Kansas City, me and the, the guys, and, you know, shoot, I became a man in Kansas City, you know? They're I was real a nice. Like, kid. I mean, people have been very upfront. I had one guy, he was like, hey, I might be going to charge you 300 bucks for home inspection because 
you just need to get a structural guy out here. Like, how cool is that? Yeah. Like, didn't even want to charge me. Like, just real nice. So I've had a really good impression um, there, and that's a new market that I just started buying in. And I had just a really good impression, dude. Like, just all around nice people. And then the guy's like, hey, I talked to the guy this morning before I did my swim. And he goes, hey, I just want to let you know. I know another guy could get you more deals. He's in the the Kansas City, Missouri. Like, he's in the – like, it's like because here in Arizona we have Azaria. Yeah. He's, like, in that event. And he's like, yeah, he can give you referrals. And then I know a realtor for you. And da, da, da. And then if I were you, I would do this and this and this on this house. But I would call a structural engineer just to make sure that you do everything the way they say so that when you sell it, you don't have an issue. And I was like, dang, dude, this guy's awesome. So I have had a really good experience, you did, know, so shout out to them. Did you stay on the Kansas City, Missouri side? Did you go on the KCK side? I I haven't been there yet. Okay. I'm buying all this stuff virtually. <laughs> it's funny because it's like night and day, bro. Is it? Is it's it? so night and day. KC Mo is totally different than KCK. And Wyandotte County, I think there it's uh, it's got both in there. So, yeah. It's well, man, yeah, because, I mean, if you got some information, people down there, yeah. I mean, um, I was told to buy 20, 30 houses there in the next two months. It's a beautiful – look, it's a not only is it a beautiful place, but the people are nice, and yeah. it's got a nice communal community – family, familial, whatever you want mm-hmm. to call that nice, close uh, Midwest. Just down to earth. Is. Yeah, just yeah. down to earth, and yeah. it's all in there. So if you have an opportunity to expand out there, you should. Yeah, that's where um, I'll probably take a trip out there. I'm thinking like maybe early February. Um, might want to go there. You want to go? <laughs> I might want to. I haven't might, been there in like j- 20 jump on, years. Jump on the plane yeah. with me? I might have to. Hey, yeah, like that's why I would go out there and network because I'm going to build my network and then go out there. Okay. So let me ask you this question. You're doing deals in the holiday season. I am. And you're you're basically working around the holidays, people's holiday schedules and stuff like that. Talk to me about what it, it means to refresh, refurb a, a, a home during the holiday season, working around cruise holiday schedules, maybe a drop-off in production or cost of expenses going up, delay times. Well, what do you have on that? So I've been pretty fortunate. I haven't had any problems because we were very clear with our contractors that we, we brought in on jobs that we you know want to get things done. So we ordered all our materials ahead of time. We were more on top of it than maybe in other people. Um, but yeah, some people are taking off. We have a couple of crews taking off till early January, but we made sure things were done so that way other crews can come in. So we got, we had one crew do all the rough and then we have a crew finishing it. Okay. So we haven't really had too many people drop off, which is good. I mean, that's, nice. that's cool. What about yeah. the cost of material? You know, actually framing materials went down. Um, we've been buying wood cheaper now. Um, some stuff's gone up. I mean, I guess what you could say is, but homes have gone up. So like homes have gone up 30%. So even if materials go up, it doesn't, the labor has gone up a little bit, but not crazy. I mean, we're still really doing well, you know, even aside from all of the stuff, I'm not going to be naysayer. I'm going to say that, you know, the American spirit and the American worker, you know, if you're a hustler and a hard worker and you're there, um, You'll be fine. Like, there's plenty of money out. There's plenty of deals out there. I think if you're negative and you're thinking like everything in COVID is going to screw you over, then that's what's going to happen. Whatever you think of is what's going to expand. So, I think keeping your mindset strong and knowing that no matter what comes at you, being diverse, being willing to take the hits, you know, I think being a business owner, that's what you have to do. You have to know, okay, I'm still making money. You know, if you're losing money, you're not making money, then okay, then retool your business. But if you're making money and you just have to pay a little bit more for material, but you're getting way more on the sale, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot of, of people out there who maybe want to get into this line of work. You're expanding out, you're expanding mm-hmm. your business out right now. Um, you're inviting new people in and stuff like that. Yep. And 
you speak a lot about the mindset that you keep in order to, to bring things to fruition, right? Mm -hmm. uh, can you talk to people about that mindset and what you do to cultivate that every day? So uh, that's, it's like, that's pretty much all of it, man. Um, besides faith, I would say that this is a perfect example. So let's just say, for instance, you're in the business, right? And somebody comes to you and says, Hey, um, you know, I got a house for you. You know, I just picked this up from a seller. You can get it for a hundred grand. You know, you probably got to put some money into it. It's worth 200 grand. Let's just keep the number simple. If you have a mentality, like, it's not going to be 40 grand. It's going to be 80. It's going to be fucking 80. If you say, I'm going to make this happen for 40, might be 45. You're, you always are going to do better if your mind's right. Every time. Now, if you have the mentality of always thinking the worst of people and always not trusting and always thinking people are out to get you, you're going to get back what you think. And I feel like. Think about that, what he said, y'all. You're going to get back what you think. Yeah, like perfect example, I had a very tough situation happen to me with some close friends. And I had to make a decision. Am I going to let what happened to me affect me forever? So like somebody does me wrong, for instance, the guy in Cole Road I talked about early podcast. Oh, yeah, Remember the yeah. guy I got burned out like yeah. 10 grand. We hired a new contractor, by the way. And that contractor's called that guy like a million times to get the rest of the doors, and the guy just keeps bullshitting. So we ended up just scrapping it and buying new cabinets. I lost $10,000, okay? If most people out there can, you know, most people will be pretty pissed about losing 10 grand, right? And, and I'm gonna say I'm not pissed anymore. I am happy. Because going through that experience led me to a better contractor who I can appreci appreciate even more who is there every day getting the house done and now the house is almost done. Yes, it took a little bit longer to find the contractor. Yes, we had to shop around some rates. Yes, it was Christmas time. Yes, it was in Mississippi. Yes, we're, it's out of our control. We had a lot of stuff going on. Yes, we had supply chain shortages. Yes, there was material issues. All these things happened. But here's the thing. I bought that property so well, I'll make 200 grand if I flip it. If I keep it as an Airbnb, I'll make 50, $60,000 a year. Mm. The guy who screwed me, he's not rich. I am. The people who burn people, the people who are out to get people, they will never win. But if you are a person that has a good heart and a good brain and takes care of people, you will always be blessed. And this is the truth. Whether you're religious or not, whether you're a Christian, a Jew, you know, you're An atheist. atheist, anybody you are, if you treat people well and respect them, God will bless you. God will bless you. You don't have to be a Christian to be blessed. You don't have to be Jewish to be blessed. You can be anybody to be blessed because the beautiful thing is God wants us to be generous. And so if we have the mentality of greed in our hearts and our minds and jealousy and anger, that's just going to create more of that. And when you're, I've noticed like today, I was very, I mean, the guy told me a bunch of stuff about the house and, you know, a normal person might be like, oh, 15 grand, oh my God, you know, to fix the foundation. I was like, you know what? If that's what we got to do, first he's like, call the structural engineer, get it double checked to make sure that's good. He goes, but I'm, he goes, I was in school for engineering. Like I work for a foundation company. I'd seen this stuff before, but I just want you to have the peace of mind. And then if you go to sell it, he like gave me a lot of good information. Mm -hmm. He didn't have to. Another company just goes, here's the price. Have a nice day. Whether that's going to cover it or not. So there's, so much value people i believe more people appreciate honesty than bs and transparency 
Yeah. To be being able to see through a situation. Don't first. sell people. Like exactly. when I when I buy homes from sellers, yeah, they know their home is they're selling at a discount. <laughs> they're not dumb. People are like, oh, sellers are dumb. They don't know anybody. No, that's not true. Most there are some dumb sellers. Let's be honest, there are some dumb sellers. But most people are just like, look, I'm done. I don't want to deal with it anymore. It's like a car when you go trade in a car. You could sell your car retail, mm-hmm. go meet private parties, get the financing, do all the crap, do all that work to get an extra five, 10 grand. Or you could just trade in the car. You you save the taxes when you go buy another car from them. So you save like three, five, depending on what you buy. So I did the math and like, okay, three to five grand I'm going to save if I go sell it myself. I don't have the time in my business now to go sell my own car. So I'm going to let that dealership make three to five grand, 10 grand. I don't give a fuck because I'm going to make that back. The amount of time I have to sit there and show. Here's another example. Cleaning how <laughs> cleaning a house. I don't have time to do that. So either my wife does it or we hire somebody. Right. Here's another one that doesn't make sense to me. Grocery shopping. If you're wealthy, fucking pay a company to pick up your shit. Why go do it yourself? Here's another thing. You get to a certain level of wealth. Are you going to drive a car? No, you'll have a driver. If you get to a certain level of wealth, are you going to fly your own plane? Maybe. Wow. Maybe. You might. You probably have a pilot. Okay. If I'm a millionaire, I got a pilot. So let's just say you're a billionaire. Do you even need to pick up any of your toiletries or your toothbrush? Your Half of people's, think about this, half of your life is spent shopping. Think about that. Shopping and eating, half your life. Damn. The other part of your life is sleeping. So you really only have eight hours, maybe six to eight hours a day where you're actually working. The rest of your life, you're sleeping, eating, pretty much you're eating in those eight hours too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you really only have three to four hours to be productive. Because most, most people miss you. They that say time. most people only, yeah, they only have like two hours. So that's what I'm saying. Like, and then think about who you're talking to. If you're on the phone with somebody for an hour and they're not helping make you more money and they're not helping build your friendship or you're not, they're not a good friend, they're not loyal, fuck them. Why be on the phone with that person for an hour? I know people who sit on the phone three, four hours a night and don't get anywhere with their life. Why spend those times? Now, if I'm going, for instance, golfing with my friend, I'm going to turn my phone off and enjoy golf. If I'm going to go boating, I'm going to enjoy boating. I'm not going to have my phone on me. But the thing is, like, if I'm with my family, same thing. I'll turn my phone off, watch a movie with them, whatever. But make sure you realize your time is the most precious commodity. And as you get older, you realize how more and more valuable your time is. So spend it with people who are going to enhance you, (coughs) not bring you down. And how much – so this guy screwed me out of 10 grand. How much drama do I have to live with in my day? Like, how much money – really, at the end of the day, what is 10 grand? You essentially paid 10 grand to get a better experience. To know exactly who I can trust. And then also, he burned himself on how much future business. How many people know this guy's a, a, a schmuck? The yeah. realtor, the new contractor, all his guys, the landscapers, the pool company. Shit, the people he probably hired to do the work can tell he didn't do a good job. Right. Like, you have burned yourself and people see it. And no one, this is the thing, no one goes, no one does that without being scathed whether it's financially or emotionally. The fact that you the fact that he did all that stuff to me, it's it's bad on him. It's his karma. It's not mine. I would never in a million years take 10 grand from somebody and give them what he, I got ever. I would never do that. I don't even care how much desperate I was. But when it comes to desperation, we live in a society where people do make desperate moves. And most of the time they regret it. Like they make a desperate move and then they they regret it. And I feel it's much better to say I can live without and not make a desperate move 
or I can live with and I have to be wor- worried about my watching over my back. What is peace and tranquility worth to you? But what do you say to a person who can't afford the peace and tranquility? At the end of the day, it's like they'd make the move of desperation because they couldn't afford that. Well, I would tell you. Well, that, and keep talking. I need to grab water. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I would say that um, it's a wise decision for most people that it's definitely worth it to think and just go, okay, is this worth the result? If I do this, is this worth the result? Because a lot of people, I feel like over and over and over again, they do things and then they go, man, this wasn't worth it. I mean, even in my own life, I've done stuff, made decisions, and not taken from anybody, but made decisions that later cost me more time and money. You know, even buying a bad property or buying something just out of that, you know, I need a house right now. I'm buying a house and paying too much. And then the rehab gets out of control. And you're like, man, I should have just never bought. I should have just lost my 5K earnest money. I shouldn't have bought this house. So there's been times where if I would have done my due diligence better, I would have saved myself a lot of headache and heartache. It comes back to the same thing in personal life. Think about friendships. There's people in your life right now that are probably good for you, that are there for you, that have your back. There's people there for you. There's people in your life probably toxic. Mm-hmm. Ask yourself this question. Is that toxic person worth anything? I have a friend right now that's calling me every single day, an old friend that wants to rekindle our friendship. I stopped talking to him. And I had to tell him, I picked up his call finally. He called me like 150 times Damn. over the last like couple months. And I said, I said, look, what, what's up, man? I didn't even yell at him. I was like, what's up? He's like, man, I miss you. It's been like five, six years. I haven't seen you in five, six years. I want, you know, he's a drug addict and he was notorious for, he's also bisexual. And, and it's, it's just a lot of stuff that's tough for me because not that I judge people on what they do with their personal life, but when you come to me and I'm straight and you're hitting on me and, yeah. wanting to hook up with me and I'm not gay and this is not cool. Yeah. So you're obviously a habitual line stepper if you're doing stuff like that. Yeah. I just, <laughs> um, and he was doing stuff with married couples and I just, I, I can't condone it. You know what I mean? I can't be in friendship with somebody who's doing stuff that's out of my morals. I can't, I just can't, I can't even do business with people that if I know, if I do business with you and I know you're a swinger, I probably won't do business with you just to be honest. Cause I don't want that negative energy in my life. Mm. If I'm doing business with you and you beat your wife, I don't want to do business with you. If I do business with you and your kids are not fed well and not clothed well and not taken care of, I don't want to do business with you. If I see things in you that I don't like, I don't want to do business with you. Mm. I don't want to be your friend. I definitely don't want to. I definitely don't want to be a friend. I definitely don't want to do business with you. Here's the thing. I don't want dirty money. If I do business with people, I want clean money. When I say clean money, I don't mean physically clean. I mean who's touching that money and who's giving it to me. I want to make sure that they're good, that they're good with it. They're good people. It's a good energy. You're stored with it because good money blesses more. Bad money blesses less. Think about movies. Watch a movie and look at bad money, what it does. People end up dead. People kill for it. People die. You, know, you can look at any any drug dealer out there, any, yeah. any dude that's been hustling on that side of the law. It's like that short, quick money ultimately leads to more heartache and, yeah. and more pain as opposed to the money that you can get that's legit. Exactly. So what I've found is I just told him, I'm like, look, I'm married now. I have my kids. I have my family. He's like, no, I'm really happy for you. I'm really proud of you. I just, I want to get out of this life. I don't want to do this anymore. Just I've changed. I've changed. And, and here's the problem. People don't, everybody tells you they change the odds of someone really changing. And this is, it happens. But when someone tells you they change versus you see a physical change. Mm. So if I meet you and I can tell you've changed, cool. But if I have to be told you've changed, have you? 
That's a good point. Right? That's a great question. If I have to be told, did it really happen? Because I should have seen it if it happened. If you were really a changed person, then I would have noticed the change. Exactly. Facebook, Instagram, it's a good way to see. If somebody is doing good, you'll see it. Their face, their their energy, their glow. Like People have a natural aura, a natural glow about them. If they're in a good mood, you'll feel it. If they're pissed off, you'll feel it. Mm-hmm. If they're doing shady stuff, you can. their eyes twitch and they look around. And like When you're in, I say when you're in line with your faith and your spirit and you love yourself and you're happy, you can see people who are not. And it's more apparent when you're in a zone of like just zen, you're very calm, you're meditated, you're, you're chill. You can see the people who are not all there or they're dealing with their own battles. I don't need someone else's drama in my life. I had to cut out a lot of people this last year that just every time you talk to them, it's negative, it's drama. I know people like that. And I couldn't do it. I just got, I realized it cut my income. So like let's, for instance, this year, I netted over a million dollars profit. I probably could have made two or three million if I didn't deal with drama. Mm. So to me, I'm spending a million dollars dealing with someone's drama. I think there are some people who are entertained by that drama. I really do. Like there are some people I look at and I'm just like, bro, you like this shit. Like yeah. you like this drama. Don't yeah. don't don't complain about it. You know, you got the friend who's like, oh man, it's always something. It's like, but bro, with you, it's always something. Yeah. How is it that with you, it's always something? With the other homie, it's not always something. Yeah. I rarely hear from from this dude or that dude that they yeah. got something going yeah. on. And no, it's you kind of start seeing who's toxic because if you bring a toxic person around your friends that are chill, they won't like them. They'll be like, yo, bro, get this guy away from me. Get this girl away from me. It's kind of like I told Giselle, my wife. I said, hey. Babe, she had girlfriends that were just, I mean, this last year, they kind of, they're gone now. They're not in her life anymore because she's like, I can't be around you anymore. When Giselle had a negative situation, she was going through a breakup when she had all these bad things happen to her years and years ago. Guess who's around? The toxic people. Mm. Guess who's around when your life's great? The toxic people? No, they're not around no more. Oh, you're just saying no. No, they're not around no more because if they show up, you're already feeling great and they don't like it. Okay, because people who want drama, they're going to keep giving you drama. Hmm. No one wants, okay, for instance, let's just say you blow up. You know, I know you're doing some stuff. And let's say you blow up. You make millions of dollars with your business, right? And let's just say, great, and like you're living in this million-dollar house. You get married. You have kids. Your, your life's blessed, right? And there's a guy going, man, great. I remember when you were like nobody, bro, and you da-da-da-da, and you live here, and then then. And remember when you did this? And they start bringing up all this drama. You're like, dude, I'm not that person. That was 10 years ago. What are you doing? Yeah. Why, are you, why are you blowing up my phone? Yeah. And they're like, Yo, man, you changed, bro. You're like, yeah, for the better. You know, but a lot of people, they don't like change. It's not even just you or me. It's they don't like it. Here's an example why people don't like change. People live in homes for 30, 40 years. One home. Mm. Tell them to move. They won't move. No. Now, that's not, that's not necessarily a bad thing or a good thing. I'm just saying most people don't want to change. Now, they say the average person moves five, every five to seven years. Okay. The reality is, why do people move every five to seven years? Because equity, appreciation, upgrade their house. They want to move, get a nicer house, bigger house. This is the thing. If you're a successful person, I bet money on this. I bet money on this. If you're successful and you're a family man, you have kids on it, you want to get a bigger and better house. You want to have more houses maybe to go travel and have vacations in your own properties. You want to have depreciation. You want to be able to go wherever you want to go, whenever you want to go, without stressing about where you're going. The thing is, all of that is freedom. But if other people see that, they're going to hate on you. And that's why people flock together. So wealthy people hang out with wealthy people. Why? Well, here's the thing. If I hung out with a guy worth $300 million and I'm only worth ten, I can't do what he does, right? Vice versa, if he hangs out with a billionaire, he can't do what the billionaire does. 
So you hang out with people at your level. Well, That's just the reality. It's funny because it's, you start questioning, like, what does a billionaire do that a, mil, a multimillionaire can't do? I mean, what, buy an island? Buy, I mean, a crazier... I mean, there's there, there is scales, there's levels to this for sure. Well, a billionaire can go for so what can a billionaire do that a millionaire can't? A billionaire can go buy Coca Cola. You can't. That's right. A billionaire can literally call up the, all the Coca Cola drivers and say, "Hey, I want a fucking truck here. I want the tents. I want." Um, billionaire could say, "Hey, I want the whole Country Music Awards at my house. I'm gonna host the whole Country Music Awards. I want, um, I want every actor to come to my house and hang out with me." I'm going to open a gala and I'm going to have all these billionaires. Um, I'm going to go buy a freaking $500 million piece of art. This is what a billionaire can do. Yes, a millionaire and a billionaire can't do that. Now, I'm not saying a multi-millionaire dollar can't level in normal life, but they can't hang at the business side of it. So if I'm Elon Musk, am I going to hang out with Jay-Z? Probably not. I'm not. If I'm Elon Musk and I'm worth, what is he worth, $300 billion? He's not going to hang out with somebody worth $900 million. He doesn't care. He's going to go meet another guy. Maybe he's going to go hang out with Carlos Slim and make a deal with him to open up all the freaking internet because you know he wants to do giga internet. So you're not even as a billionaire looking at multimillionaires to make deals with. No, you're not even talking to them. Why would you? That's mind-blowing because you would think that at that Nothing level of wealth that the person with $900 million would at least have some reach to none. None, none to a wow. billionaire. No, I mean, think about it. Look at the billionaires, and do they do business with Jay-Z? No. The guys who are worth millions do business with the millionaires. So if you're worth $500 million, like Kevin Hart's worth like $300 million right now, he's not going to get – no one's going to come up to Kevin Hart and be like, hey, I'm a billionaire, unless they want him in a movie or something, or they want him as a spokesperson. But the, there's there's so much wealth that we don't even know about. There's some people – so like in when you look up net worth, right, and this is kind of something funny I do. Who do you want me to look up? I net look worth. up – so there's a net worth. So look at Selma Hayek, her husband – Selma Hayek's husband. Okay. What's he's a name? French billionaire. Okay. The dude's worth like $80 billion. Jesus. This dude, okay, for instance, okay, he married Selma Hayek. Selma Hayek's already rich, okay? She's obviously very pretty, older lady. She's, you know, attractive. I'm attracted to her. She's a good-looking Me lady. Me too, sir. Selma Hayek married a billionaire. Why? His name is Leslie Chibinda. Yeah. Why did she marry a billionaire, though? Uh, she married up. Why didn't she marry? No, but she could have married a guy with... 800 million. Mm. Why'd she marry a guy worth 70, 80 billion? I don't know. Good question. Exactly. Because she knows a guy with 300 million can't do what she wants. She wants to have full control and power. If you marry a guy worth 80 billion, you can go walk in and I'll buy that. I'll buy that company. I'll buy that company. You can't do that 300 million. So at 300 million, you're still worrying about, not worrying, but you're still concerned about what you can buy, how you can move from a business perspective. What business can you buy with 300 million? Like a really, really big business. You can't buy Verizon. You can't buy ATT. How they have market T-Mobile. caps bigger than your entire net worth. That's what I'm saying. You can't, it, it, when you get into that fathom, when you get to that level, you're not able to do much. You can go and buy f- 100 Quiznos or Subways, or you could go buy 1,000 Massage Envies, but you're still managing them and handling them. When, you're, when you buy Coke, it's done for you. If you bought a company that's already running, you're making billions. So like, for instance, the Twinkie guys. I don't know if you know this. A Jewish guy bought the Twinkie company. The Twinkie brand was like failing, and this guy bought it. His dad revitalized. I think he's a Greek Jewish guy, but he his dad revitalized Twinkie. Okay, they're worth like five or six billion right now. Okay, they now have the ability now to go and start buying companies, but they're still small fish. But six billion is still small fish. How much money do you think you want to know? A corporation has money. Discovery Network. They own like 
20 different brands of movies and shows. If you look up Discovery, who has like the 90 Fiancés and, and the Ghost Hunters and all that stuff, bro, Discovery Network, they're in the trillions. Their net worth is in the trillions. Mm. Okay? That's so there's crazy. trillionaires out there right now. Yeah. Corporation, not personal net worth. Right. Corporations. Just look around, dude. Our government is in the trillions. Okay? What if you looked at the net worth, like just to give you an example, we just got a bunch of crate and barrel gifts. I looked up that company. This some guy started in the '60s. He said, "Oh, the Europe they have nicer stuff for cheaper than in America." So he just put it together and sold the stuff cheaper. He's now a billionaire because he just took European products and sold them to the U.S. That's all he did, and opened the stores and built it up. He became a billionaire off of that. Mm. Took him like 60, 70 years, right? But that company grew. Look at banks, okay? Banks. I think Amazon's a trillion trillion. I'm sure they. Right? Yeah. I'm sure they produce sales of over that. But what do you, you want to go buy? You want to go buy um, Amazon, Tesla. Just yeah. think about how you, you ain't doing can, it with 300 million. You ain't doing it with Hell, a billion either. You might not even be able to get LeBron James on contract for 300 million. I, I mean, a, a, the right baseball player, Mike Trout or Shohei Otani or any of these guys, like that's their contract for 10 years. That's not you. You put that in the right context, and I, I didn't realize. Yeah, three hundred million dollars is a lot of money to me, you. Yeah. But it's like to the billionaire, yeah. Good luck. They don't even look at you. Just think about it. Like no one cares. You're nobody right now. You're only big to poor people. Just think about it. Bars. What do you think? What do you think most poor people are worth to millionaires? Nothing. They just look at them like, oh, okay, they're poor, whatever. Like they can't. They don't look at them as a bad. I'm not saying they're all bad, but they don't. What can they do for you? Right. A poor person can't really do much for you in your business. A rich person can. So a billionaire. What can a billionaire? If let's just say you're worth 900 million, a billionaire comes in and says, "Hey, man, I like your ideas. I want to brand you on my cars. I want to brand you on Amazon, or I want whatever it is." Um. That guy goes, "Okay, cool. You can brand me. I want 10 percent of this." Well, if that billionaire is worth 300 million, he give you 10 percent, and the company makes hundreds of billions of dollars you're a billionaire now it's that fast but you have to find the right people and about the deals but you can't the only way you're going to get that level is if a billionaire sees you and spots you and wants something you have right but they're not walking up to most 300 million 500 million 900 million dollar guys they're not even looking at 5 million 10 million dollar guys they're looking at stuff like there's and there's also companies that don't even show you the net worth bro there's people in the world right now that aren't even on the net worth like let's go let's go to saudi arabia Saudi Arabia, there's okay. more billionaires like per capita than almost anywhere. Okay, Dubai, look at Dubai's money. If you go to the Middle East and a and you meet a billionaire there and they're worth like 150, 200 billion or a trillion dollars, you think he's gonna talk to you if you're worth a million or a hundred million he's or not a even billion? About you. Bro, he's not even looking at you if you have 20 billion, 30 billion, 50 billion, 100. He probably might know Elon Musk now, but there's guys who have more money than Elon Musk. Elon Musk is just reported net worth. I believe that. There's people out there that have trillions of dollars that you don't even know about. They have their own banks, their own money. And this is the truth. Think about how much money is going is being made right now with gas prices going up from these billionaires. They got their gas. The gas went up double, okay? Almost triple. How much are the billionaires making if they own Saudi Arabia oil? Right, right. Their net worth just went up three times. So if they're making a hundred if they're making nine hundred billion, now they're making fucking three trillion that's how much money is in gas so the electric business that they're pushing right now not everybody can buy an electric car because electric cars minimum are 50 to 80 grand 
So people who have 20 grand can't buy one. So the poor are the most affected, not the rich. The rich are never affected. Once you get to a certain level, it doesn't matter if gas is seven bucks. It doesn't matter to you because if let's say gas is seven bucks and you can make all your money, do you really need to drive? Like, where are you driving? Right. Because your money's being made usually virtually. Hell, you're driving off of somebody else's gas. Somebody else is paying for that gas. You're not, yeah. You get to a certain level of wealth that you're not even paying for anything anymore and no. you're making so much money. Yeah. That's wild. That's what they're doing. So this is the greatest transfer of wealth ever. I mean, there's more people that are making a ton of money at, at the top than ever before because there's so much money being dumped into the economy between the stimulus packages other countries, other investors, people buying up. The goal with the U.S. is just to be a big marketplace. I mean, mm -hmm. that's basically what we are. We're becoming yeah. a marketplace where yeah. rich people from all over the world are buying here and And it's not investing. a secret, right? No. Because, I mean, it's been going on forever. Exactly. I mean, we, Canada's we, been buying. Exactly. We've been doing it with China. China exactly. Uh, yeah. uh, Mexico. Russia. Yep. So. Yeah, and by the way, um, Mexico doesn't disclose their, their millionaires either. So there's a lot of wealthy millionaires, billionaires in Mexico that you don't even hear about. Uh, South America, too. You don't hear about them. They don't document them. So at that level, and you're talking about taxes. Oh, by the way, there's no taxes for the Mexico billionaires. They don't tax them. Mm. Yeah, like go be a billionaire in Mexico. They don't tax you. I own a property in Mexico. The taxes are like 150 bucks a year. Like nothing for property taxes. What's the tax or what's the property worth? 500 grand. And it, there's the property tax is only $150 a month? A year. A year. Yeah, they don't charge property taxes like America. Wow. Mexico's way cheaper. Yeah. But the thing about Mexico is it's harder to become wealthy because there's a lot of corruption. There's a lot well, the corruption's not the reason there's harder to become wealthy. It's harder to be it's harder to come up than in America. Because in America, you can go work for somebody, make enough money to start your own business. In Mexico, it's hard to get enough money to start your own business. Mm -hmm. To go buy a truck, buy a vehicle, it's just harder. So um it's set up for rich and poor. That's what Mexico is. Central America is. Um, pretty much most of the world is rich and poor. Right. America and probably Canada are more of a middle class based people. Most of the world is poor and rich. Go to England. You either have it or you don't. There's a part of England and London that the average condominium is $8 million. You ain't buying that on a freaking $200,000 income a year. If you make good money, you're buying that on being rich. Mm. There's just a lot of, uh, you go to Russia, same thing. You, you're poor and rich everywhere. So the globalists and the people that are really pushing it is to just eliminate. Because here's the other thing. If you're rich, you don't have to work. Okay? So they don't want there to be rich people, as many rich people. So they're going to do everything in their power to keep people down. Hmm. Because if you have money, you don't work. Why would you work? Right. If you're worth a bill, if you're worth a hundred million, shit. If you're worth twenty million, you don't have to work if you don't want to. So why would you work? So that's what they're doing. They're trying to separate everybody so they can have more control. Because if you're, and that's where all the tax. That's why they're doing PayPal, and they're all these Venmos and everything. People who've been making money on the side, they're trying to they're trying to yeah. figure all that out. Because in the stimulus package, they passed that, mm -hmm. and so they're doing it to control. Because why would you do that? Why would you go after the little guy? Because the rich people aren't using Venmo. Like I'm telling you, I'll tell you right now, I have not used Venmo, PayPal, and any of those services at all. Mm -hmm. Like minimally. Like reimburse you for lunch. I don't use them. I right. put tax, but they're going after the people who are like, "Hey, I'm going to try to escape government taxation." So that's what I'm going to do. Well, guess what? Thank you. you're welcome to take all your stimulus money, but now they're going to get it back, taxing the shit out of you. And who can it affect? It doesn't affect the rich because they write everything off. They also have the package they just offered twelve thousand five dollar rebate if you bought an electric car. Another twenty thousand dollars if you bought solar. So if you spent money in solar and electric, they'll give you money back. But what if you're poor? You can't afford that shit. Right. So you know, it's all it's doing. 
gas, for instance, for me, gas went up on my business about $1,500, $2,000 a month is what I'm paying for my trucks and vehicles about on gas. My gas used to be about 800 bucks, so I, I, an extra 1000 bucks. okay? For me and my business, that doesn't hurt me. It sucks, but it doesn't hurt me because $12,000 a year is not going to kill my business if I'm making a couple million dollars. Right. Well, it will kill my business if gas was like $100, but if that was $100 of gas, nobody would drive. Right. We'd all be running around, so they have to keep it at a certain level where people can afford it, but also tax enough. Yeah, they're definitely not going to raise the price out of people's ability to still buy it. You know? Correct. They, it's always, uh, well, they'll pay just a little bit more, but just underneath. What well, think about Starbucks, right? Mm-hmm. So Starbucks gets away selling you shitty coffee for six, seven bucks. It's not good coffee. It's awful. But what do they do? They sugar it up, right? And why do they sugar it up? Sugar's cheap. So I, guess can, we won't, I guess we won't be getting that Starbucks uh, uh, endorsement in time. <laughs> so that's all right. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, back. I want to, I want to deviate into talking about what people should do mm-hmm. with the money they have. Like if they have a little bit of money, a little bit of savings, a little, like the, I want to talk about how you can borrow money from people privately and make extra money. Um, also go through different arenas to get money. So I want to kind of say that ultimately there's if, and I look back at my life for the last 15 years in real estate, I've deviated to buying more rentals now because I've looked at appreciation and how much this stuff's gone up in the last 10 years and it's insane. So, I mean, we're talking three, four times what they went up, five times what they went up in the last 10 years. So you could have made five times because they said every 10 years things double. Well, it's gone up five times. Mm. So that's 500% Damn. on what you bought. Think about it. You could have bought a house for hundred grand. Now they're like four or 500 grand. Yeah. For five 10 ends. years ago. Yeah. Yeah, they've gone up that much. Wow. So- not in all areas. I would say 3X to 5X. That would be a good range. Well, you could even say here for sure in Phoenix. About 4X. Yeah. I guess I remember I mean, when Maricopa was just like opening up back in 2000 and, I don't know, six, seven, And yeah. houses out there were going for like 90 grand. And They'd crash at 40. Mm. Um, here's a crazy number. Do okay. you think our market's hot? Compare, I'm gonna it's hot you, compared to some other markets, but I want to hear what you're about to I'm say. I'm going to tell you some shit that's going to blow your fucking mind. Okay. So people out there on the, uh, I just sold a deal, a house in Tucson that I flipped and uh, it just went under contract for all cash. It was a Canadian buyer who's moving here uh, to Tucson. And I got the contract from their deal in Ontario. In fact, I could show you Graydon, their contract from Ontario, Canada. Okay. I want to see that. I'm going to fucking blow your fucking mind. Guess how much over list price they sold their house for. I couldn't even begin. Just, just guess. Two eighty. What are we talking? Four hundred grand over list price, dude. House was listed for eight hundred thousand. They sold it for one point two. It gets better. Eight four hundred k over list. I'm not making this shit up. I'll show it to you. Two hundred thousand non refundable earnest money. Okay. And (laughs) no inspection period. No appraisal because it's all cash. Yeah. Jeez. Our market is fucking nothing compared to Canada. We are not even close. Well, why do you and think their market is so high? They're smarter than us. Canadians are just smarter than us. I mean, they have more money, more business, more business savvy, more networkers. Americans are definitely, I hate to say it, some of the dumbest people in the world. I agree, I agree with that. Because I've been around the world. Ca- I'm going to take that heat with you. We are dumb than a motherfucker. I've been around the world, and I have met people that are like literally, like, oh, crypto, I've been doing that shit for 15 years, 20 years. You ask somebody here, oh, I just learned about that two months ago. Um, you ask people about stock markets, and they're like, oh, I bought that shit in 2001. You're like, 
You bought Apple in 2001? Yeah, I knew that shit way, way before you guys did. Like, they just are more ahead, more advanced. They're more networking. They help each other. They're more of a team effort. They're out here, you're kind of like every man for himself. Out there, it's more like, hey, we're going to build it together and build it together and make lots of money. The camaraderie, um, my dad was Canadian. It's just a different mentality. Mm. Um, and the rest of the world, same thing. Like, go to London, dude. Go to Britain. Like, they are all about teaming up. Like, the mentality around the world is team up. In America, it's fuck you. I'm going to make my money. And that's a problem. Mm. The people who build wealth in this country team up. It's a group effort. It's not a one I, me only. So when you went on your honeymoon, where'd you go? So I was going to go to Paris, and I'm a big anti-vaxxer. So we, last minute, Omicron showed up, mm. and we had our plans booked, and we had our trip booked, and everything was paid for. And luckily, I bought travel protection, but they said, hey, we, you're going to have to be vaccinated. And Giselle and me were like, shit, this just came out. Like, literally, our flight was going to leave on the, uh, was it the 6th of December? Like, right after the wedding, we were going to leave. And they just passed the law on December 4th. So two days before we're supposed to go, we bought our chick three, four months ago. They shut it down. Um, we were pissed. It sucked. Um, and so I just kind of told him, like, you know what? It is what it is because Giselle didn't want to do it, get vaccinated. I definitely didn't want to. I'm 100% believer that there's something in there I don't want in my body. Um, and I haven't even had COVID. I haven't had Omicron. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck that is, a transformer. <laughs> But um, but yeah, I just I'm I'm not dumb. I know people who've gotten it. I know people who've gotten the vaccine. I have friends that gotten it. I I don't judge them. They they do their own. I'm not a I'm not here to to I'm not here to debate who's what and who should do what. My opinion is, get it or don't get it. But if it if you get it and you still get sick from COVID, you're fucking stupid. Because mm. to me, if you're gonna take a vaccine, it might as well stop all of it. If you have a chance of getting sick, that's not a vaccine. Yeah, it should be a hundred percent or ninety nine point nine, not. 50-50. And I've, I've said this from the very beginning about the idea of vaccine resistancy. To me, a person's desire to not want to get something in their body is enough for me not to mandate them or tell them that they should do it. If you tell me, hey, I don't want it in me, that's where the, the conversation ends for me. Your desire that you don't want that in you by choice, at the end of the day, it's like, okay, well, if you don't want it in you, hey, I'm, I'll, we'll, we'll do something else. But to me, there is this this stigma where it's like, I don't care if you don't want it in you. I'm going to put it in you to protect me. And I, I don't agree with that line of thinking. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate that we live in a society now that um, is mandating it mm-hmm. and telling people to get this. And it's unfortunate that people are so brainwashed now that they'll put on a mask, even though the mask is proven not to work. Um, there was a I read and I actually watched a this is straight up, which really bothers me, but it's I watched it. So in the Senate, there was a meeting and a hearing about airplanes and masks on airplanes mm-hmm. and that they basically don't work. Um, and this was from the government. They said the airplanes clear the air every two or three minutes. This is legitimately truth. Okay. This is from before, like actual knowledge. You're talking about the air filter The air system? filter Yeah. Oh, okay. The HEPA mm-hmm. filters clean the air every two or three minutes. So basically in the, air, in the airplane, if you have a mask on or not, it doesn't really stop it from, it doesn't, you're not going to get sick on an airplane. Okay. It cleans the air. Boom, 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 boom. This is from the federal government. This is the CDC knew this knowledge. They still made people wear fucking masks. Now, here's what gets even trippier. This is what blew my mind when I watched this this stuff. They openly admitted it. They said, yeah, you don't need a mask on an airplane. Well, all of a sudden, a couple months later, you got to have masks. This is like 2020 when it happened. And it blew me away. I'm like sitting there and I'm like, they're literally telling the CDC and they're agreeing with them that the masks don't save your life on an airplane. This is legit. 
It cleans the air that fast. You don't need masks on an airplane. Here's another thing that makes no fucking sense to me. You're eating food. You can take it off and eat food and drink. What the fuck? So to me, like, I'm sitting there and I'm going, and I'm, I'm just th- speaking long knowledge here, right? You're in the plane. It how takes long, How off. long were you going to be in the plane for? How long was the flight? Like eight hours. Okay, that's not bad. But if you're going to be in a plane for eight hours and you have to wear a mask over your mouth and nose and it, the air gets cleaned every two to three minutes and your risk of getting COVID is very decreased in that plane. Now, obviously in the airport, it's not cleaning the air every two to three minutes. So they have a concept of wearing a mask in the airport. Okay, that might make sense. You're in an airport, you're on a bunch of people. Okay, whatever. You want to wear a mask then? Cool. On the airplane, it doesn't make sense. Now, the other thing they said, which blew me away, was <clears throat> the hands are the transmitters. You're not breathing in COVID. You're touching and licking and rubbing your nose, and that's how you're getting it. Mm. So it's your hands. Before COVID. That's interesting. Before COVID. Remember when people go to the bathroom? You ever have this happen? You go to the bathroom and mm. people don't wash their hands? Yeah. In fact, I think there was a Kevin Hart movie, Think Like a Man, where the black dude was taking a shit, and he came out, and he slapped him on the back, <laughs> and he goes, man, man, you shit, you put shit on my back, man. Like, remember he didn't wash his hands? And he said, oh, brother, it's okay, man. Go get your girl. Remember that? Did you I, see that part I of the movie? I never saw that movie. Okay, so in Think Like a Man, Kevin Hart was in the bathroom. He was talking to his wife at the time, who they were having issues, and there was a guy in the toilet taking a shit, okay? He came out after hearing him have a conversation. He goes, hey, man. It's going to be okay with you and Gail. Slapped him. And he slapped him on the back. I took a shit. And Kevin Hart goes, what the fuck? Did you just come out? And he said the N-word too. He's like, what the fuck? Did you come out here and just smacking backs? And he was so pissed at this guy taking a shit, rubbing his back, slapping him on the back and not washing hands. Okay? Now, I'm here to tell you this. Do you think everyone who makes your food washes their hands? I don't think so. Do you think legally... By law, anyone sitting there washing them, wash their hands? No. Nope. Where the fuck is that? I would rather have a stimulus package that makes somebody watch people for washing their hands in bathrooms. You feel me? Uh, you Making know our food. That's pretty. Uh, then a motherfucking mask because I'm going to tell you right now, everybody in America, you're eating food that someone took a shit and touched and touched their the food and made it and you're pissed off and worried about covid you could fucking die way faster from e coli and some other shit and that's how, and how many times has somebody in america had food poisoning and they think it's the food well what's what it was the fucking that? not person didn't wash their fucking hands well, let's I, would, be I was just gonna say that i think that yeah. there is there's an there's a there is a an attitude towards washing hands when people come out of bathrooms and stuff like that. Even though I know that people assume that you do that when they come out, you hear the you hear the water run and they come out. It's like, oh, that dude washed his hands. Did they even use soap? No, they use it for twenty seconds. They didn't even use warm water, hot water, twenty two seconds, disinfectant. I know nobody's I, washing their hands for twenty two seconds. Twenty two seconds. Let's do twenty. Let's do twenty two seconds right now. Let's do it right now. All right, I'm gonna do it. Go ahead. Let's one, uh-huh. two, three, four. Five, six. Okay, so about eight seconds in. You're done. I'm done. (laughs) You just gave someone COVID, bro. Food poisoning, actually. (laughs) You just, I mean, it's not realistic. People aren't doing that. That's why they had hand sanitizer. So people will be like, oh, my argument is hand sanitizer. Okay. 
how many motherfucking places they're out of hand sanitizer? I mean, there was times where they you go to fill up, you know, squirt your hand, it didn't have none. Well, I know people who have hand sanitizer on their key ring and don't use it. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. So here's the thing, okay? Everybody in America got lied to and bullshitted, and the people who got COVID, who the fuck? I know a guy, Rick, Rick and Connie didn't come to my wedding because they got COVID. Guess how long they were sick? How long? Three days. Guess what? They just felt tired and then they were good. Okay. They're healthy older people. They're older people. Three days. Now, let's be realistic here. Who the fuck's dying from this shit? You know who's dying from it? Obese people. People with a lot of heart issues, diabetes, um, high blood pressure, like a lot of, and you have to have three or four abnormalities. So you have to have four of those things to die. Giselle, God rest my my wife, she got told some lie the other day. She got told that a, a guy died from COVID. One of her friends, and she was all sad. He's 54 years old. She's like, oh, my God, I, he died from COVID. He didn't die from COVID. She got the results. She found out he died from, um, it was uh, something else that uh, she just, she told me. I forgot the name of it. But it wasn't but it COVID. COVID. It wasn't COVID. Mm-hmm. So what the fuck? I have family in the medical business. They literally tell people, go home and rest. Okay, if this is so deadly, how does go home and rest work? Mm-mm-mm-mm. That's crazy. Just just think about it. You're more likely to die from someone making your food with shit on their hands than you are from COVID. You're more likely to die getting hit in a car crash by a drunk driver than COVID. What the fuck is wrong with people? Why are people so getting vaccines? Getting Like, to me, if this was deadly and this had like a 30-40% death rate, if there are people dropping like the Spanish flu, I'd say go get the fucking vaccine because it's that. But they're not dying at that rate. They're not. Do you think it's because people are so afraid or they, they tend to be so fearful that they have been uh, conditioned to feel like they want to be more safe? No, than, we just live free? in a society full of dumbasses. You think so? We live in America, a bunch of dumbasses. There's a reason why the rest of the countries are rebelling us at France, Germany, Italy, England, Australia. They're fighting for their rights like crazy. Yeah. America, we're too fucking like sedentary to it. Like, well, that's I mean, what happens when you create a, a life of comfort like that. I think America is too comfortable. It's been too comfortable since. I mean, think about it. It was kind of funny. This perspective. This guy posted this thing online. He said, if you were born in 1900, you would have went through how many wars from oh, 1900 man. to now? Three. More or, no, you're talking about. Uh, so you from, went through. Yeah. So World War One, World War Two, World War Two, the uh, Korean, Korean, the Vietnam, Vietnam, right, and then Desert Storm, right. Yeah. You would went through that. Oh, if you live, you live well, that long. Then the other, if you live that long, if you live that long, yeah. But you would have went through also the 20s depression. At 20 years old, you would have went through the Great Depression. You would have went through numerous recessions, numerous issues, and you still made it. Yeah, the, so, the 60s, he would have went through the 70s. Like, it, it just would have been one. I mean, think if you were born in 1800. You had no running water. You didn't have electricity. You didn't have shit. Yeah. And so you had to run out in the field. And it's just like, think about it. Like, I went hiking the other day, right? Could you imagine going hiking in Arizona with snakes out everywhere and no trails and going through ru- brush some and R&B the mountains? Some, some R&B singer was shooting a video out in, in uh, I don't know where it was, which was like northern Arizona, and got bit by a snake yeah. and had to be rushed to some hospital because, you know, thought she was going to lose her leg or some shit, you know? I mean, like, I went hiking another day. I mean, you just got, now, right now they're hibernating. You know, it's wintertime. They're hibernating. They're not too many come out. Maybe the sunbathing go back in, but most of them are hibernating. So I was hiking. I was look, We were looking. But just to give you an example, like, the mentality 
of people is we have we have had nothing the last 20 30 years these kids have gone through nothing like the worst that you could say your parents didn't leave to go fight in the war you didn't have rations you didn't have no food you didn't have to worry about the russians are going to blow remember back in the day people had to go into their desks they thought there was going to be a nuclear yeah, holocaust nuclear, and they're going to blow us yeah, up yeah. i mean you haven't had to do we've had a cush life and i'm not saying that's a good or bad thing but at the end of the day it's not good for people to not have adversity you got to go through some shit it's like growing up as a white kid in all white school you're not you need to meet some black kids you need to meet some mexican kids you need to meet some asians you need to meet some middle eastern people you need some indians so you can be culturally like a respectful like you can know other cultures if you're just born and that's all you meet is the same race and the same religion and the same you're like a cult and how do you really understand so what makes people in my opinion great is diversity, different cultures, different foods. I mean, shit, imagine if you could only eat hamburgers, okay? Yeah. That's all that was out here, hot dogs and hamburgers. And some people do, but- I'd be a miserable some. person, because yeah. I love my Mediterranean food. I love my freaking Mexican food. I love my Chinese food. Dude, I mean, imagine if there was no Chinese food, no Indian food, no Mediterranean food, like all you had was a hamburger, hot dog, some eggs, and toast. That's it. Life would be shitty. Exactly, cultures make things better. So. Everything that we have is better because of that. Yeah, I I had a conversation earlier today with someone who had said that, you know, cultural, I mean, their specific thing was that race didn't exist, but I think they were trying to say that cult, you know, that race was a thing that they had moved beyond. But it's, it's interesting because culturally we all have these different distinct traits. And I think to ignore those is to be disconnected from the reality of what those traits are. I mean, black people have certain traits. Jewish people have certain traits. White, Mexican, whatever you want to say. Mm -hmm. And to ignore that or to act as if those things don't exist just because your worldview is that there's no such thing as race, you may not think that, but those distinct characteristics in those peoples are very much real. So you can't just completely dismiss that and act like those things don't exist. I'll give you, for example, my lady's Hispanic and Spanish, right? Mexican and Spanish. And I'm Jew. I grew up Jewish. I still fi- I found Jesus got saved, but I still have mannerisms like a Jewish guy. I still have my moments, right? And Giselle, we watch a show called Curb Your Enthusiasm, right? Mm-hmm. And we've seen Seinfeld. It's yep. a great show. And that's what Larry David's Jewish. And he does, he just reacts and, and people are like, oh my God, Larry. And he has a different perception. A lot of Jewish people have ideals that they they live by and so and there's certain mannerisms and gestures and stuff that makes us different same thing with black people same thing with mexicans here's another one for for my girl like she thinks it's funny now like she understands the sense of humor behind jewish humor she understands it but before i first started dating her four years ago she didn't really understand that she's Mm. like what this doesn't make sense because in her culture it's a different kind of comedy right like in her culture Comedy is about sex mm-hmm. and relationships and fucking and um, three ways and random shit and food and the family and their Tia and then their the Novio and the, you know I mean there's a lot of different things that go on in the culture that make those people Hispanic people laugh mm-hmm. and if you look at comedy comedy is different in every part of the world agreed you watch comedy in the Middle East it's to me it's not that funny mm-hmm. when the comedians and I like oh, you know what I mean and I'm like I don't know what you mean like at all I don't get your humor. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean it's not good. It just means it's not for me. Right. I have seen humor. I mean, black comedy, black comedians, Jewish comedians make me laugh my ass off. Yeah. You know, if a black comedian talks to me about white people, I think it's fucking hilarious because they make fun of white people because some white people are really like that. Mm-hmm. What do you, what did you say to me? 
You know what I mean? I so, love Dave Chappelle's Chuck Taylor. Yeah. His white dude where he's got the... the yeah. The, oh, he dresses up? Yeah, he's hilarious with I that. I mean, the reality is there are white people that act like that. Not yeah. all of them, but there are. There's also white ladies that act like that. They're, they're not all like that, but some of them. Um, there's not every black woman is loud and obnoxious. Some black women are very proud and quiet and talk with respect. And but again, you see a loud black woman, it's funny. Mm-hmm. Like if she start, I, I watched a movie, a show called Insecure mm-hmm. by Issa Ray or Issa or whatever. She's hilarious. I crack up when I watch that show. At the same time, I understand that the reason it's funny is because she has so many problems in relationships mm-hmm. because of her insecurity, mm-hmm. and that's another kind of irony of to relationships is if you're insecure, it's going to be hard for you to find somebody because people feel that. And if you always got those problems. Well, I mean, bringing it back around to the original conversation that, you know, if you have the perspective or the outlook on life that everything is going to be negative and everything's going to turn mm-hmm. out specifically in business, right? Yep. Then you're going to find problems wherever you try to do business because you've already set the energy out there that there's going to be an issue. As we close this up, what would Amen. you say to that at the end as far as people's energy and how they come into these situations? I would say, so a good rule of thumb is what I've always told you know people in my life is to take everything with a grain of salt. Like if you hear something from somebody, don't, like it's not fact. Do your own research, figure it out, do your own stuff. Like just even the stuff we're talking about, Google it. You know, if you don't believe me about COVID, Google it. Start looking up at there's there's articles about it. There's ask for politician views. Like, go to the Senate House floor when they have a COVID committee meeting and you listen to the the evidence and the facts. Like, you'll start realizing, dang, I'm being brainwashed by the media. The media there are is there is good media though, and you just have to find it. Um, the same thing it is with, you know, with the mindset, the power of the mindset. So ultimately, the way you think it it, it expands. Um, I told Matt Beans that, and he use what I said and he, he even said it on the episode like I started taking your mentality and killed it yeah. and I'm making really good money um, it's you know I've met a lot of people my buddy Adam who's done that Oscar's done that um, there's been I know Michael Yucalano does that mm-hmm. he was on the show um, we have a lot of people who've been on the show even even Jared was like yeah I'm not a successful guy in that, that sense but I understand my parents were business owners like I grew up with money and I didn't really he told us he didn't really have to worry about money he didn't grow up like me but at the same time, he understands where he grew up made him more or less stressed out and because his mindset's like, I don't have to worry. So when people worry about money and worry about business, that's when they get the negative results. Yeah. If they just go, you know what, it's going to be fine, it's going to be good, it's going to be blessed. Because think about it. If the economy affected every business, we wouldn't have Coca-Cola, we wouldn't have Pepsi, we wouldn't have food companies, we wouldn't have construction companies. Like People go, oh, there's a recession. Oh, my God. Well, now the one reason the recession is what caused housing to boom because they didn't build for like five, ten years. Mm. They just didn't build much. I mean, good five, six years, they didn't build much. And so now you drive around and just- They're building everywhere. Everywhere. Because it's cheap money and um, and they there's a lot of demand. And Arizona has a really good business structure like Texas. I mean, we're a little bit not as good as Texas, but we're, we're good. But we, we help businesses more than California does. But ultimately- just if you believe, like the whole adage of you believe things will be good, they'll be good. And and work hard. Don't be lazy. A lot of people are like, oh, I, I believe in it. Like you, It's like the power of the secret. They say the secret. It's funny. They say, oh, you can believe it and you'll have it. No, that's not the truth. You got to work your fucking ass off for it. But if you believe it, you work your fucking ass off for it, 
and and when shit goes wrong, you still press forward, and shit goes wrong, you still press forward, and shit goes wrong, and you fail ten times, you still push forward. Then you're fucking blessed. But the people that are always well, one time bad thing happens to them, and they go, everybody's fucked up. It's like person who breaks up with a girl or guy. And they're like, everyone's fucked. Every relationship, every girl sucks, every guy sucks. Well, guess what? You're going to meet shitty guys and shitty girls. If sending a business partner, you have a bad relationship with a business partner, and you take that into the new relationship, you're going to be fucked too. Because if I think he's out to get me, he's out to get me just like he was, you're going to have the same result. So comes back. the coming back around is what you believe expands and what you think about happens to you. So if you're going to think about abundance, and you like, let's say you want to flip a house, you want to start a business, you want to be a script producer, you want to write something, you want to own a hair company, you want to do medicine, you want to make a, a prescription, you want to, maybe you want to come out with something to save lives instead of being medicine, all these uh, pharmaceutical companies out to screw people, maybe you want to have a natural path medicine to help people. Maybe you want to have a psychology, maybe instead of like ripping people off with psychology, maybe you want to have a program online where you talk to people about their mindset and mental health. Whatever it is you want to do, the people will come. Like, People will come into your life when you're ready for them. They're not going to show up when you're not ready. So, for instance, I wouldn't have found Giselle if I wasn't ready for a wife. It wouldn't happen. If I was like, you know what, I don't really want this. I'm not really sure. I don't really think I want it. I don't want to be, you know, then you're not going to get that because the universe is going to give you what you want. Mm. So, like, think about it. And then also be careful what you want. Yeah, because, like, one of my favorite movies when we close out as Players Club, mm-hmm. you know, Bill Great Bellamy. Great fucking movie. Bill Bellamy, Players Club. Great movie. What is the message in that movie? You could, He could get any girl he wanted, right? Yeah. But what was the truth? He wanted Lisa, yeah. right? His main girl. So he was doing was all this shit. from Saved by the Bell? She was, yeah. Oh, shit, that's yeah, right. Yeah, Lark Voorhees. Lark Voorhees was in that movie. Yeah, that's she's right. a pretty girl. But she, like, it goes down to say this, okay? The Players Club was a great movie because this is what I took out of it. This is my perception of it. You can get all the women in the world, but there's always the one that hits you. There's always going to be one that hits you that makes you want to do everything. The thing is, he was like, he realized he fucked up, right? In the end of the movie, like, she caught him and he screwed up. But being a player, you can't fall in love dude used to turn the pictures around on the uh, yeah yeah he was hilarious with it bill bellamy was like i think he's one of an all-time great i don't think people realize how funny he was and how successful he was and what he did because he's not like a kevin hart you know Mm -hmm. he made it he was a millionaire successful but i feel like he was just his energy you know another guy that god rest in peace that bernie mac yeah bernie mac was on i mean I feel like he's downplayed mm-hmm. from what he was because he, I mean, he was in that movie too. Yeah. He was in Players Club. That's right. But he was in a lot of movies in the early 90s, you know, early 2000s. And there's been a lot, I, I even noticed this Kevin Hart was in movies in like 2000, 99, 2000. You see him all young. I mean, I saw Dave Chappelle in a movie. I didn't even realize it was, I mean, it was so young, Dave Chappelle. You remember Robin yeah. Hood, uh, Men in Tights? Yeah, Men in Tights. Yeah, He yeah, was yeah. in that. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah. wait a minute, that was Dave Chappelle. Yeah. And they called him David Chappelle. In yeah. That. It was great. Well, the Men in Tights is a great movie. That was a hilarious movie. I watched that when I was a kid yeah. with my dad. But, I mean, if you think about it, there's a lot of people who are very talented, very successful, and they don't make it big. And- also, this is before social media. This is before Facebook and Instagram. So these people didn't have the network that people know now. Now you could post a video and go viral. And you could go from not being famous to being famous just off a video. Overnight. And social media has really changed the game on business, networking, building your brand. 
Um, you know, because back in the day, how did you? How did people build their brand? You know, they're in a movie. That's it. That was well, it. Yeah, if I, I mean, saw you in the movie, your brand was bigger. I mean, that was that's what we saw. And then there wasn't really websites on people. You couldn't really look. Now you can look up a website, find an actor, hit up their agent. Yeah, hey, you're in this movie in Australia. I want you in this movie in America. Like, it's just the the environment we live in now is amazing. But it also comes with a cost. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Justin, as always, wonderful conversation. (laughs) Um, But the last question that I have for you is, you know, Christmas time is is coming up and we got, you know, the new year coming up. Uh, What's something you want to give to some to the people out there as as a gift of of knowledge, Jim, that you can give to them for Christmas? I would say don't look at your phone. Just embrace the time, you know, get off your phone and just spend the time with the family without being on your phone. Awesome. Well, Justin, that's been awesome. We're going to end our show right here for the uh, Justin Broker Podcast. I am Graydon Square. Um, If you have any questions or anything like that, the Justin Broker Podcast at gmail.com. We will see you, if not next week, the week after that. Yeah, yeah. We might be able to, we probably be able to do one right before the, okay. the new year. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys for everything. We will see you next week. All right, bye.